I think it's amazing as we gather on this weekend before Palm Sunday to look at the characters we have encountered through the Lenten season. We've seen Abraham who is righteous in the eyes of God. We see Moses, the giver of the law. Last week, we hear about the prodigal son. The son that went away and did not open his heart to God. Now, we all know that God is an amazing God when you think of the universe. Even when we think about our own body. But the one thing I think we have to look at, because this weekend we're going to have a woman who does not have a name. Why are we called to identify with this woman this weekend who does not have a name? Because I believe if we look at the readings as a whole, God is in control. Every problem that he talks about, every problem that is faced in front of him by the scribes and the Pharisees, he presents a solution. Now I think it's interesting because if you look in John's Gospel, Jesus was supposed to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacle. That's not the Passover. The Passover is when he's going to die. He doesn't want to go. If you look a chapter earlier in John's Gospel, he does not want to go. But he knows it's the Father's will because they might arrest him. And the tabernacle, the feast, represents a liberation from Egypt. As they came out of Egypt, God took them by the hand and that's what we're going to pick up today from that first reading of Isaiah. And Isaiah says, what about remembering the past? Don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. Live for today in communion with the God who made you. Now, if we look at all of these together at this Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus didn't want to go, and if there was, he didn't go, this woman today would have been stoned to death. How many times are you and I called to do something? We don't want to do it. It might be to pick up the phone and call that neighbor who just died, their family, to talk to them. We don't want to do that. We might be called to go to talk to our neighbor who is cheating all the other neighbors and say, you know what, this is not right. We do not want to go. Now, if you're like me and you don't like meetings as much as I don't, I still have to go to meetings, but guess what? If I don't go to meetings, there are consequences. This woman today would be dead had Jesus not journeyed to Jerusalem for this great feast day. And as Jesus gets to Jerusalem, he's amongst all the Jews of the world. And right before today's gospel, he says something very astonishing. He says, let all who are thirsty come to me and I will give them living water. Now to a Jew, that's going to ring out something because when the Messiah come, the water was supposed to be flowing from the temple. What is that living water that we are talking about? The side that is pierced with divine mercy. 
the blood and water that flowed from the temple of his body. Now, I think what's important, because as this woman is caught in adultery, I have to ask certain questions. How does somebody get caught in adultery? Do we understand that? She was caught in the act of adultery. What's happening? The guilt of her sin is now made public. And as it's made public, this lady is full of shame. Isn't that our story? We have all our private sins. We can relate to this lady. We're guilty. But when it's made in a public light, what happens? It goes to shame. Now as we look at this lady today caught in adultery, who is the partner? The partner should be stoned to death too. Why did they let him go? Because I think what's interesting is we're going to look at this dynamics. There is no name to this person. This person is a sinner. This person has guilt, whose sin is brought public, who is shame. You and I are called to identify with that. Before we enter into Holy Week, because Holy Week is all about the cross, the dying, the rising. And that's why today Jesus in the temple takes the position of a teacher. Every Jew knowing that he was sitting in the temple knew he was teaching the law, knew he was teaching about the Father, knew that he was teaching about the good, and he's in that posture of sitting today. And as he's teaching, they bring in this woman, it'll be just like in the middle of Mass. Somebody walks down the aisle and says, Father, they stage and they plot this. What do you say about this? What do you think Jesus is going to say? That's why we have to look at what's going on here. Jesus is teaching. This situation is strange. Because this person is caught in the act. Somebody had to walk in on what was going on. Now, I think as we look at this, we are ready to move forward. Because what does Jesus do? The Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Teacher, what is your opinion? Moses said this person should be condemned to death. Jesus doesn't say, where was the man? What does Jesus do? He bends down and he starts to write. So as a teacher, he's sitting. He bends down. He starts to write. And as he's writing, what comes up? I believe, we can believe many things. We don't know what he's writing. I believe he wrote a Bible verse that convicted them to the heart. He uses the Bible to come back because they take that one verse out of Moses. But there's something going on deeper. The scribes and the Pharisees have such hardened hearts that they're coming to him today as a judge. Teacher, you're not a teacher anymore. Now you're going to become a judge. What do we do right here, right now? And as a judge, what does he do? He bends down and he writes. Well, 
And as he gets up, what does he say? Well, they say Moses commanded us to kill her. Teacher, what do you say? Do you agree with this? Now, as he bends and writes, I think there's many things we could think about. Was it a Bible verse? Did Jesus perhaps write the name of the person she was caught with? You're never going to fool God. You're never going to deceive God. But the Pharisees, because of their hardness of heart, let the man go. But Jesus says, he was without sin, be the first to cast a stone. Isn't it amazing in the world today? There are two Bible verses many people like to hang on, hang on to when we talk about morality. The first one is, let he was without sin be the first to cast the stone. And the second one that most Americans use today is, do not judge. So why are they asking Jesus this? And when we ask the question, you know, when you're teaching morality, let he was without sin be the first to cast a stone, who of us can throw a stone? Not me. Not any of us. That's why we're called to identify with this individual. Now, I love this quote from Fulton Sheen. I know some of you might remember him, some of you might not. He was a guy that had a public show on the radio and on television. And Fulton Sheen said, Mary's Immaculate Conception. You know, we have to prove to Catholics that Mary was immaculately conceived back in the early 80s. Now, all Catholics believe they are immaculately conceived because they failed to use the mercy of God. Think about that. We had to prove to Catholics Mary was immaculately conceived as Jesus came through that womb. He would not be tainted or touched by sin. Now that we got him convinced, all Catholics believe they are also immaculately conceived because they do not identify with sin. I think there is something here because we are all sinners. We deserve condemnation. But what do these guys do today? They walk one by one, starting with the oldest. As Jesus writes down in the sand a second time, what is he writing? Some people believe it was the sins that they were carrying. Some believe it was the sin of the man. Where is he? We can interpret many things, but I think there's one thing we need to be clear on. We don't study the writings of Jesus like we do with Shakespeare. We study the person of Jesus and how he responds and what he is looking for. Now they have him as a judge. And if, what's he going to do? Is he going to agree with Moses or what's he going to do? But Jesus says, well, let he who without sin be the first to cast the throne. We are all sinners. Now, if you do not know your sins and your need for forgiveness, do you really know God? Because if we don't recognize sins and our need for a Savior, do we know the heart of God? And Jesus turns to the woman without a name. And he said, there's no one who has cast a stone against you, is there? 
She says, no one, sir. And what does he say? He's went from the teacher to the judge. Now he's going to go to mercy. Mercy is the third movement of this gospel. The Pharisees and scribes don't think they are sinners. They're hardness of heart. They're always battling God to try to trip them up because they're not open to God. They haven't opened their heart to the Father. And why does Jesus constantly battle them? Because he wants them to know the Father. They fail to recognize him. And what does the woman say? No one has been here to condemn me, sir. And what does Jesus say? Go and sin no more. Now, is it interesting or is it just me? This woman that we are talking about today is traditionally known as Mary Magdalene. When she experiences the mercy of God, she experiences the moment that God saved her life. What does she do in her response? She follows him to Calvary where he gives his life for her. She's the one you're going to hear about on Easter Sunday who is the first to go to the tomb. Why? She opened her heart to mercy. God let it go. And because of that, she responds to God out of love. And that's why, folks, in this last week of Lent or two, it's important. How do I approach the sacrament of confession? Am I like a Pharisee and point out everybody else's sins? Or do I come with my brokenness so that His mercy can make me whole? She was set free. She responds to mercy. She could be dead. But what does she do? She follows Him. Confession comes before communion. Why? She has to be set free to receive the mercy as Christ gives his life for her. Christ died for her. Why is she at the foot of the cross with Mary, the mother of God? That's why she is our model today in the gospel. We are all sinners. Do we treat our sin like the Pharisees? Father, I'm a pretty good person. Well, you are. In whose eyes? Is it in the standard of God or in your own standard? Because if we look at our lives in relation to God, we see where we fall short and where we need a Savior. And that's why today she is made whole and God allows her to journey with Him. Notice what mercy does to her. It changes her life. The Pharisees and Sadducees are still sitting there and what are they doing? Why did she get to go free? She should be dead. Moses. And that's why this is given to us the week before Holy Week. As we enter the Passion, we are called to identify where are we like Mary Magdalene in our private life? And what of our private life has been revealed in the public sector? Because if we don't deal with sin, what happens? We're full of guilt. When it's brought to light in the public, we become full of shame. 
Guilt and shame are not of God. God wants to set you free of that. That's why we have to do our part because our God is a God of hope. He wants to give you a hopeful Easter. But you have to open your heart to Him and receive the mercy and the sacrament of confession. As you come to Holy Eucharist, what does He say? This is my body given for you. Now if we approach this altar like the Pharisees with hardness of heart, will God ever change our life? You say no. Why? Because we are not open. God is standing on the outside of your heart today knocking. And you remember this image from the book of Revelation. That latch is only on the inside. Will you open it for him? He wants to come in. Now maybe some of you are dealing with a serious sin. What do you think it was like for Mary Magdalene to know that she was going to be stoned? I'm at the end. But more importantly, if Jesus went to Jerusalem for the feast... She'd be dead. But she gave her life to Christ. And so should you and I. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you. Because by your holy cross, you have redeemed the world.